Hello, this is Carmen. That's exciting news. I guess we could launch early. It's time to hire. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. The moment you sponsor a job on Indeed, you get a short list of quality candidates from our resume database. Indeed delivers two and a half times more hires than the other branded job sites combined, according to Breezy HR 2019. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get a $75 credit for your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. What's in store this week at Staples? A great start to the new year. Give your business a head start on the year with everything you need to be organized and productive. Like storage solutions, the latest tech, and office essentials like paper and ink, all at amazing prices. And now at Staples, earn 40% back in rewards when you buy any two ink or toner cartridges. Shop in-store or pick up curbside. Start the year right and save at Staples. Ends 1921, limit 4, curbside available in most stores. Visit staples.com slash 40 and rewards for details. With health officials bracing for a post-holiday COVID surge, one airport is bragging about brisk business. That airport is Orlando International, which quotes TSA figures showing that it had more departures than any other in the country between December 27th and this past Sunday, January 3rd. The lowest number was on New Year's Eve, just over 38,000. The highest, Saturday and Sunday, with nearly 61,000 both days. The numbers, of course, are well below last year's, but appear to be the airport's best since the pandemic began. Airport officials say better safety, a cleaner airport, and lower airfares were all factors. Peter King, CBS News, Orlando. What do you do when the Epiphany Eve parades canceled because of COVID? The three wise men flew over the Spanish city of Seville in a hot air balloon and urged everyone on the ground below to follow the rules if they want to be able to take off their masks, kiss, and hug at next year's event. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. I think for older people, I think they really need to understand that this product will give you the energy that you need to sustain throughout a day. Right now, I, uh, I just can't hardly make it through the day if I don't start my day. I'm taking three of each every day. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a flag waver for the product. I believe in it. I know it's helping me. I feel uh, I'm more uh, satisfied that I've got my energy level for the day. And, you know, for the last two weeks, I've been working over at my mom's house to get it ready to sell. It's just unbelievable. I guarantee you, if you saw me compared to the rest of the guys that are 74, yeah. You think your boys is ready for the uh, uh, couch, and I'm I'm going strong all day long, and have been for quite some time now. Balance of Nature is now offering 35% off on any new preferred order. Go to balanceofnature.com today and use discount code Fruits. Hey you, come see what Emily is cooking at Tavolino, home of the fresh, authentic, made from scratch Italian food. Stop it on your way to work for a double shot latte or bring the family for lunch or for dinner in a spot that feels like you're back in Inono's kitchen. Emily also does cooking class for adults and kids alike. So ditch that pasta in a box and come learn a thing or two. Stop in at Tavolino for not only a great meal, but an unforgettable experience. At 9 North Schaefer Street in Athens, Ohio, visit Tavolino on Facebook for the hours and the specials. Rutland Bottle Gas here. If it's propane, we do it. Residential service, commercial cylinder exchange, residential 100-pound cylinder exchange, auto gas, commercial bulk service, agriculture applications, and many more propane-related services that are too many to mention. We service northern West Virginia and many counties in central and southern Ohio. Give us a call at our Rutland location at 740-742-2511 or our Plains location at 740-797-4675 or you can visit us at rutlandbottlegas.com. 
runs it long down the right side. Ball in the air toward the end zone. And that ball is going to be... Look at oh, it! Buckeyes get it! Titus Powell, he goes racing up and is tackled at the 30-yard line. And the king of the SEC has fallen. This is the voice of the Buckeyes, Paul Keos. Join us Monday, January 11th as Ohio State will take on Alabama for the national championship. We'll be on the air beginning at 6.30 p.m. with the AEP Energy Buckeye pregame show from Learfield IMG College on the Ohio State Sports Network presented by the James. These days we're all doing a lot more virtually, which is why at Ohio Health we've expanded our virtual care options and availability to make it even easier to get safe expert care at home. That includes virtual visits with over a thousand trusted providers in every medical specialty. Learn more about our virtual health options at ohiohealth.com slash virtualhealth. Hi, it's Randy and Boots from the Auto Smarts Radio Network. And why should you listen to our show on this station? Well, Boots is a man of many talents and has knowledge you won't believe. Just listen. Hey, Boots, what's your favorite thing to talk about? Cars. Rick Ocasek was the lead singer of what band? The Cars. What was Gary Newman's biggest selling song? Cars. Who was the all-time leading scorer in Notre Dame basketball history? Car. That's right, Austin Carr. Anything you like to add? Cars, cars, cars. 57 Chevy. Cars. That's Auto Smarts. Friday afternoons at 106 on 970 WATH and 97.1 FM. That's Cars, cars, cars. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM Uh, it was thick this morning. It's still kind of thick. Make sure you're using those headlights and make sure you turn them off when you get where you're going. Unless you find yourself needing a jump later on. Who did that song? Oh, Scott. Kind of, oh, well, he was there a moment ago. Um, there's a song called Jump. Who did that, sco- that uh, song named Jump? Oh, Van Halen. Van Halen, yeah. okay. I turned around to ask you a question. <laughs> he stepped out to get <laughs> a piece of paper for us, didn't you? Yeah. Anyway, good morning. Uh, let me turn your mic on. Uh, I think that's it. Maybe. Are you three or two? Two. Oh. Well, then. We'll go with two. It, we had there a, you go. There we are. We had an issue with that uh, one or two days last week. So now that that's been taken care of, we can go back to two. Okay. So there we are. And good morning, everybody. Yeah, good morning. <laughs> well, let's see here, folks. I have a ton of information today, and, and I don't really know where to begin. So we'll just... We'll get started and do the best we can. Uh, Today is, of course, Tuesday. It's January 5th. Um, Given that this is not a leap year, we have 360 days remaining. 
Our highlight in history, we go back to the year 1925, when on this date, Democrat Nellie Taylor Ross of Wyoming Wyoming took office as America's first female governor, succeeding her husband, William, following a special election. Now, wait a minute. Did she run against him? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> uh, you're going to have to trigger this one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Or did, or was he ailing, you know, sick or something? Yeah, or term limits. What Did those exist then? But I tell you what. You know how much we, we have fun at Wyoming's expense here? Yeah. Let me tell you, to be the first female governor elected and from the state of Wyoming. There's something to hang your hat on. That is a real uh, statement. Yeah. Now find out what the circumstances are and I'll go on. Yeah. Okay. Do you need uh, this Taylor? I got got it already? Yep. Oh, well, maybe you're ready to do it. Um, Not just yet. Let's see. What were the circumstances? Yeah, that's what... uh, I'm off on a perusing here to see what I can Well, while you do that, I'll keep going because we've got a busy morning. Um, Let's see here. Um, Walter Mondale, former vice president, of course, 93 today. Actor Robert Duvall is 90. Juan Carlos, as in the King of Spain, 83. Um, Charlie Rose, talk show host, um, what do you call it? Host, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 79. Actor-director Diane Keaton is 75. Let's see here. It's hard for me to focus on members of a band. It's harder for me to do. Um... Although a lot of those, a lot of what appears in this list daily is just that. Um, Golly, I'm almost to the end here. And the youngest person listed today, actor Franz Drama, Drama, it's D-R-A-M-E-H. Anyway, he's 28, so not that unusually young or anything like that. Um, Let's see, in terms of historical events, the Battle of Nancy. I don't remember ever hearing that phrase. Anyway, it was Burgundy versus Switzerland. Occurred on this date in 1477. Says 7,000 were killed including their leader, Charles, Duke of Burgundy. 1781, a British naval expedition led by Benedict Arnold, Burns, Richmond, Virginia. Nineteen forty-nine, U.S. President Harry Truman labels his administration the Fair Deal. Okay, remember um, 
was was the original Superman George Reeves? Uh, that's the one I remember. Doing the old black and white versions? Yes. Yeah, that, I mean, there wasn't anything before that, right? I don't think there was. Well, anyway, um, this would have been his birth date um, in 1914. He died in 1959, so in spite of being a Superman, he didn't make it too long. Yeah, he he was the original Superman. Okay. Jane Wyman, the actress, uh, 1917, she was born on this date, died in 2007. I always thought she was very attractive. King C. Gillette, I'm going to guess as in the razor blades. King C. Gillette, born on this date in 1855, died in 1932. Then here's a name that's faintly familiar to me. You are correct about Gillette. Gillette? Yes. Conrad, with a K, Adenauer. Born on this date in 1876, died in 1967. Uh, what was his thing? Conrad Hermann Joseph Adenauer was a German statesman who served as the first chancellor of the Federal Republic of Germany from 1949 to 1963. Okay. And uh, I've got two famous deaths to mention. That one is Amelia Earhart. She died on this date in 1939. See, she was born in 1897, so she only made it to 44 years of age. This other one, I'll need your help, Scott. All right. Ernest Shackleton. And um, he uh, died in 1922 on this date. He was born in 1874. Sir Ernest Henry Shackleton was an Anglo-Irish and Arctic explorer who led three British expeditions to the Antarctic. Uh, he was one of the principal figures of the period known as the Heroic Age of Antarctic Exploration. Fair enough. And you know, there, that just rang a bell for me. Um... A fellow I went to high school with, I think his name was John Goldthwaite. And uh, his father was a professor at Ohio State. And, you know, we knew very little about Antarctica and, you know what I mean, the two different poles, right? Yep. But he was considered one of the leading most knowledgeable people and um, researchers and all of that regarding um, particularly Antarctica, which would be the southern um, most pole. It just came out of nowhere in my mind. All right. <laughs> Well, let's see here. I've got a study here entitled uh, 2021's Best and Worst Cities for Keeping Your New Year's Resolutions, right? Yep. You want to hold on to that so I can tell you about Nellie Taylor Ross? Oh, did I mess up? No. 
we can. She was the governor of Wyoming. Oh yeah. Okay, you ready? Sure. All right. In 1922, her husband was elected governor of Wyoming. However, after a little more than a year and a half in office, he died on October second, uh, there you go, 1924, from complications from an appendectomy. The Democratic Party then nominated his widow to run for governor in a special election the following month. So he was succeeded by his lieutenant governor, and then they held a special election, which she won. She did not compa- uh, campaign, but they uh, go on to say that she easily won wow. the governorship. Well, I tell you, uh, oh, <laughs> um, I do tease Wyoming. It is an absolutely beautiful state. I encourage everyone to enjoy that state. It is so so unique and special and beautiful and you know, I mean, mercy! Look at all the the Tetons and the um, Yellowstone and all of that. I mean, mercy! Yeah, scenic. But it is fun to have fun with. Okay, <laughs> like you had fun and, with and it while you were there. Being a freshman in college in Sheridan, Wyoming, you know, two thousand miles away from my parents. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, having to drive 125 miles to get a Coke, yeah, Ex- yeah. or a Pepsi, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had fun with Wyoming while you were there. Oh mercy! <laughs> and still having fun with it, right here on the show. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so now there's an article that I brought in. I could not figure out how to print it, so I brought my computer in. But now it's not happy. Maybe it'll have to wait till tomorrow. We'll see. Anyway, first of all, let's do this one. Um, we've had this in the studio a couple days now. And um, this is entitled 2021's Best and Worst Cities for Keeping Your New Year's Resolutions, right? You know, it's easy to make them. The hard part is keeping them. Um, now, this article goes on, but don't blame, but before you blame yourself entirely for your previous lack of success, consider this. Your location may be setting you up for failure. If you live in a neighborhood with no sidewalks or fitness centers nearby, for example, you may not feel as encouraged to exercise. The same goes if most of your restaurant options are limited to fast food. You may be less likely to eat healthy. Well, these might sound like excuses to the boldest resolvers, but they genuinely can get in the way of self-improvement. That's especially true if your motivation is kind of low to begin with, right? Plus, with the COVID-19 pandemic throwing life out of sync for all of us and closing down or limiting the capacity of many public spaces. Meeting New Year's resolutions will likely be even harder than usual. So, let's see here. 
It says more than 7 in 10 people admit that they have failed to uphold their New Year's resolutions in the past. Um, well, let's just get into it here. So uh, this is a Wallet Hub study, and you know how they go into great detail. So, um, they first of all looked at a lot of folks, and um, oh, the story flies for a minute. Yeah. Okay. Scott's trying to get my computer working. Um. Yeah, that's it. Um. So they looked at uh, all these different resolutions, examples from many, many people. So then they kind of broke them out into subcategories or groupings. For example, resolutions dealing with health or finances, school and work resolutions, bad habit rev resolutions and relationships um, you know girlfriend boyfriend husband wife that sort of thing so <clears throat> where would you think uh, i'll ask you that uh, i won't make it too tough on you Scott, um, what state do you think uh, has the number one place, the easiest place to keep resolutions? I'm going to say either Florida or Arizona. Well, your second choice was correct, Arizona. But it's specifically Scottsdale, Arizona. And as I look down the list in the top ten, Arizona doesn't show up ever again. And now it may farther deeper. Here it is, number 19, Tempe. Arizona comes in 19th. But the number one, Scottsdale. So, um, Salt Lake City comes in two, Seattle, Washington, three, Irvine, California, where my wife has uh, been visiting these last few months. Uh, by the way, she gets back um, Friday night. Um, Irvine, California makes number four. San Diego, five. Overland Park, which is in Kansas, sixth. San Francisco, seventh. Fremont, California, eighth. Raleigh, North Carolina, Ninth in San Jose, California, 10th. Now, how deep is this list? 182 cities. So, um, my wife lived in Columbia, Maryland for 22 years. It's a very uh, remarkable, unusual city. Uh, it is ranked 15th. 
we lived in Virginia Beach for a couple of years when I bought a radio station over there as well. And it is ranked 16th. See, how do I go about pulling out cities that I guess I just won't. I'll just scan down here. Okay, Honolulu, where I lived and loved, uh, 33, ranked 33rd. Uh, forgive the delays. Los Angeles, it's, uh, well, no, no, no. Uh, let's go up to uh, some of the more famous. Uh, so Las Vegas comes in 46th. Now, I think that's a little bit unusual because, uh, you know, Las Vegas takes a lot of pride in having a lot of temptations, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in so many words. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Chesapeake, Virginia, where uh, Nick just moved to, uh, 51st. Los Angeles, 52nd. Okay, by the way, no Ohio yet. But coming in 80th is Columbus, Ohio. 80th out of 182. Um... According to this study, the two areas that Columbus shines in are relationships and finances. Okay. Of those five categories I mentioned. Okay, let's go on here. Um, boom, 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 boom. Cincinnati comes in 92nd. And once again, the two top areas, relationships and finances. Okay, next Ohio is... Toledo. Came in 172nd out of 182. Oh, I missed. Okay. Cleveland. Akron comes in 159th. Cleveland comes in 160th. And then Toledo, 172nd. Okay. Who comes in dead last? Or, or nearly? Uh... 181st out of 182 is Huntington, Huntington, West Virginia. In dead last, Gulfport, Mississippi. Oh, well. What do these folks know anyway? <laughs> I, I thought one of those interesting categories was bad habit resolutions. And some of the rankings on there. Uh, for instance, you mentioned uh, 
Cleveland, they're at 171 out of 182. Akron's at 158. Yeah. Well, I'm still... O-H! I-O. I'm still a fan. Yep. Monday night, O-H. What are we getting at? I-O, National Football Championship game. Oh, Ohio State. Yeah, college yes. football playoff. Okay, now, let's see. We, before we went on the air, we were just uh, chatting briefly about sports. First of all, you've probably heard the announcement in the last 24 hours that the basketball championships are all going to occur in Indianapolis this year. All of them. Most of them in Indianapolis. Some of them in different locations close to there, but most of the games. Well, okay. In Indianapolis. Um, But they're all going to be in the state of Indiana. Well, even that last site they mentioned is still part of Indianapolis. It's just a suburb, I think. Okay. Well, anyway. Uh, Well, okay. I'll, I'll back it off. Maybe I misunderstood but it's essentially going to be central indiana yeah and we're talking about ncaa of course um they have not figured out yet whether they're going to let anybody attend them uh they say that announcement will be coming soon But um, now, does where does OU stand? Uh, men's basketball. Yeah, uh, they just played on Saturday. Yeah, they defeated Ball State, seventy-eight to sixty-eight in Muncie, at the uh, stadium, the arena they call the Nest of Unrest. Ball State Cardinals, their nickname, so the Cardinal Nest. Okay, but. In terms of MAC ranking, uh, MAC ranking, they are, I believe, right around the middle of the pack. Now they haven't okay. played that many yet, so they're five and four overall. They're one and two okay. in in the MAC at this point. So some teams have played at maybe a game or two more than the Bobcats. Uh, you know, depending on COVID situations, obviously the Bobcats. Well, sure. Had uh, the game with Miami canceled, right. but replaced it with Bowling Green the next evening. And uh, next up, I believe they host Northern Illinois this evening at 6 p.m. Yes, they do. The Huskers so, of Northern Illinois. Really, folks, we have to remember it's early in January today, the 5th to be exact. Um, the future, we don't know who's going there yet. This is in March. So, uh, Bobcats, uh, do the best you can, man. Yeah. Okay. Had, a, had a good game, uh, especially without leading scorer Jason Preston on Saturday. They still pulled out a win at Ball State. That's not easy to do. The Lady Bobcats are 3-3 three and three overall, and they're also 1-2 and two in the MAC. And they are next in action uh, at Miami tomorrow night. Let me do um, the COVID stats here. 
And when I finish this, I'd like to do that story that now has disappeared again. Okay, we'll get it. Okay. So, uh, I have started, a, um, I've added one additional column or category, and that is that of vaccinations. So once again, all this data is as of 2 o'clock the day before. So at 2 o'clock this afternoon, I'll update all of these um, figures. Let's take the city, or I'm sorry, the, the county of Athens. Um, we currently have had a total of 3,190 COVID cases. 19 were new yesterday. We presently have active 458 cases, of which 129 are in a hospital. It also means 329 are not in a hospital. They're recovering at their homes. Uh, 2,723 Athens Countyans have recovered now. We've had nine deaths. Now, we haven't had this figure before, so I'm going to, um, put you on the spot, Scott. Okay. Put you on the sp spot, Scott. That sounded good. <laughs> um... How many do you think have been vaccinated thus far in Athens County? Oh, my. Uh, we going percentage or a number? Number. Um, okay, percent, percentage. I don't care. Oh, okay. I've got both. Um, I'm going to say 5%. Okay. 729 people have received... Uh, now, depending on which one it is, you know, um, some have to get two, but they've either received one or a vaccination. That's 1%. I heard the governor say yesterday that uh, they're encouraging workers at nursing home facilities, long-term health care facilities, well, yeah. to receive a vaccination soon, but... Uh, I think he mentioned that only about 40% of them that have the availability to get the vaccine have gotten it. Okay, yeah, that's that's a whole different issue, and yeah. it's not just the uh, um, workers in those facilities. Correct. Um, but let me let me finish this okay. next point. Yeah. So, in the state of Ohio, so here in Athens County, one percent, exactly one percent have received vaccinations. That is 729 people. In the state of Ohio, it's 1.4%, which is 162,942 people. I was just thinking it can't probably be more than the 1% of Athens. And, and indeed now, it's not. Not much more than 1%. Four-tenths of a percent higher. Yeah. Okay, now. Um, folks, 
I do not particularly understand reluctance or fear or whatever it is that has led to this new statistic that 60% of the people would prefer not to get it. Now, I don't think it's that they don't want to get it. They just don't want to get it so soon. They'd like to see how it pans out for those that have had it. That's that's a very dangerous um, position. Approach to it, yeah. Is it the they just don't trust it just yet? Well, you know, these things are put through remarkable test facilities and testing and studies and everything. And this one was as well. All, all three of the current vaccines. But uh, they did it a bit in a hurried manner. And that's what people are concerned about. But it needed to be done in a hurried manner. And mercy. Um, Will I hesitate? No. Uh, Will my wife hesitate? No. Uh, Particularly those with underlying health conditions. This is pretty critical stuff. So... <clears throat> anyway, that's a new stat we have here. So let's keep going. So now in the state of Ohio, um, we have 5,942 new cases yesterday, bringing the total to 727,423. Now remember, uh, uh, the a large portion of those have now recovered. Um, through some misery, I might add. Uh, but so the number of active cases, 142,332. Now of those active cases, almost 6,000 are in ICU. Thirty-three, A little over 33,000 are in non-ICU, but still in the hospital. And 94,000 are recovering at their homes. So of the 727,000 cases thus far, 585,000 have recovered. Now, vaccinations in the state thus far... 162.9. So, um, thousand that is. So, let's just round it off. 163,000 vaccines have been administered. Some of them require a second, some don't. Deaths in the state 9,143. And that's probably all we need to say there. United States. 
Now, remember when I said that uh, vaccinations in um, Ohio was 1.39% so far? Yeah. <clears throat> vaccinations in the United States, 1.38%. But what's that total? 4,580,834 were vaccinated so far. But still, that's only 1.38%, almost identical to Ohio. Well, uh, yesterday there were 228,010 new cases, bringing the total since it all began to 21,190,956. Currently, there are active 8,349,000, recovered 12,480,000, and we've had 360,894 deaths. So that's our nation. I was researching for statistic regarding vaccines worldwide. Haven't found a good enough source for that yet. But I'll keep working on it. But um, anyway, I think um, in the interest of time, we'll not do the world stats. Um... Let's save this for tomorrow here. Okay. I have a study called Best Cities for Locavores. Now, what does that mean to you? The term, locavores. I pass. I'm going to have to go with Vasco da Gama. Vasco da Gama. That's what that means. That's my go-to answer when, when I'm, I got nothing. (laughs) Well, here we are in this time of COVID, and so many of us, my home particularly, has gotten to the point where we normally go to restaurants for dinner. Uh, It is not a fast food frenzy. Uh, We go to more restaurants. Right? Yeah. Um, that ha- that, that uh, has been concerning. Because until some of the restaurants got their privacy screens set up and everything to com- conform to the recommendations or the spread the tables out, whatever... Um, Anyway, so we've got all sorts of information about if you wanted to still have a great life but not um, hit these places, what were the best cities for that? So we'll, we'll come back to that maybe tomorrow. Okay. Now, in the meantime, 
I just found uh, as you're looking up yep, that. Get this slide. Okay, uh, that uh, according to Bloomberg.com, 13 million doses in 33 countries have been administered so far. And they go on to say, delivering billions more will be one of the greatest logistical challenges ever undertaken. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. I tell you, while we're waiting uh, to get this computer running, we'll do um, guess who. Art Turf. Right? Right. I-M-E-P-T. Coach Turf on our last program talking about uh, your Coach Turf and a 57 a nothing loss. Sometimes there aren't many positive things to say. We're well, sometimes there is, but this ain't one of them times because we did have a real bright spot in the ball game. I'm talking about good old Shank. start next thing right after I started the first one and then it started playing them both at the same time I did just realized I wasn't on the air there um, I was telling Scott what mistake I made I am here we go Coach Turf on our last program talking about your game with RSVP. Rock Slide Vermont Polytechnic. Boy, them boys have got a real fine ball tank. 57 to nothing loss uh, for the Oysters in that ball game, and I know you had to be disappointed in not putting any points on the board. What with your, your new offense, I understand your new quarterback. Well, you win some and you lose some. Uh, wouldn't that be nice? Your new quarterback, Berger, had a little bit of a tough time in his first start. Well, that's right. He spent a lot of time on the ball field, uh, uh, literal. I mean, they, they really pasted him up good. That They was blitzing him. They was red-dogging him. And he, he spent a lot of time on the seat of his pants. But your defense uh, must not have played too well either, giving up 57 points. And you had a new uh, defensive scheme for this game, didn't you? Well, you know, that's all my fault. Uh, you know, the fact that we didn't do too good on offense and didn't do too good on defense. You know, a new quarterback, the boy named Berger, spent a lot of his time in his own backfield, piled up with them defensive boys on him. And that's because we took one of our star offensive linemen, uh, Gap Gibson, and moved him over to defense. We was trying something new on defense, too. We was thinking that uh, me and Crush Cromar, our linebacker coach, we figured that they had such a good running game, such good running backs on their ball team, that we ought to put in another running uh, back stopper, another linebacker in there. So instead of regular old three linebackers like we regular have, Mike, Sam, and Willie, the Smith brothers, we was going to put old Gap Gibson at linebacker. He was used to coming up against them big boys on, on offense. We figured we'd put him in on defense and have him come up against them big boys on offense. But it didn't work. Unfortunately, RSVP was able to just roll up the score on you. Well, they wasn't the answer, that's for sure. I mean, uh, they, they uh, piled up some points, and they piled up some yards, and they piled up some first downs, and it was, it was a real avalanche out there. <laughs> now I'll be back with Coach Turf right after this message. And um, this crazy show proudly brought to you by Hugh White. Honda. Well, I did the wrong button again. Let's try this one more time. Uh, Coach Turf and a 57 to nothing loss. Sometimes there aren't many positive things to say. We're 
You well, sometimes there is, but this ain't one of them times because we did have a real bright spot in the ball game. I'm talking about good old Shank Wedgman. You remember him from the golf team. Right. He's your uh, putter this this uh, year, isn't he? Well, that's right. You know, he was back there. This is his first year on the football team. We made a punter out of that boy, and it seemed like every time I looked up, I was either seeing old Chuck Berger, the quarterback, sitting down on his patootie, or I seen uh, Shank Wedgman booming one out of there on fourth down. So your putter had a good kicking average for the game. Well, that's right. He was, of course, he was in there on enough plays. He should have done a good job. <laughs> Coach, I think you had a special promotion in connection with the RSVP game, Key Night, I believe. Well, that's right. Everybody would uh, come into the ball game to see that fine ball game. We give them a key, and then at halftime, we draw it out a winning key, and the winner gets to drive our 19 and 37 Packer around for a whole week. Who was the winner, Coach? Well, that's uh, interesting, and I'm glad you asked me that question because the winner of the driving around the Packard for a whole week, you won. So here's here's the keys. Be sure and have them back 6 o'clock Friday and have a blast. You're listening again, sports fans, for the next thrill-packed interview with the head coach of the Fighting Oysters of MFs Tech, the coaching legend in his own mind, the one and only Coach Art Turf. Well, um, folks, probably the most important story we have today is that of the um, state of Georgia. You know, just uh, all eyes are on that southern state where the future of the U.S. Senate will be decided this week. Um, I went to the Internet to try to pull out all the kinds of reasons why this is so important and, and the notes about it and so on. And it's kind of interesting. The, the report I found that I felt was the most accurate was from the BBC, <laughs> the British Broadcasting Corporation. <laughs> That tells me something. Um, well, there are two races, and voting has been going on now since mid-December. The outcome will be crucial to how much the incoming Democratic president, Joe Biden, will be able to achieve in his first term. Wait, another U.S. election? I mean, wasn't this all done in November? Well, okay, just rewind a little bit. Why is there an election in Georgia? According to the state rules, a winning candidate needs 50% of the votes, and in November, no one achieved that. So the top two go through a 5-January replay. That's today. A so-called runoff. Well, who is running? In both races, we have a Republican incumbent up against a Democratic newcomer. 
So, David Perdue, Senator. Uh, he's 70 years of age. His opponent is John Ossoff, who is 33 years of age. Well, Mr. Perdue has served as a Georgia senator since 2015. The former Reebok CEO was an early supporter of Donald Trump and has remained as an ally to the president. He is now facing scrutiny over multi-million dollar stock trades in companies whose business falls under his purview on Senate committees. He is denied any wrongdoing. Who is Mr. Ossoff? Well, he launched his campaign with an endorsement from the civil rights champion John Lewis, who died this summer before taking the reins of a documentary film company. Its name is Insight TWI. He spent five years working for Congressman Hank Johnson, an Atlanta Democrat. He has employed his filmmaking skills on the trail, launching campaign accounts on both Snapchat and TikTok. Um, now, the other race is between Senator Kelly Loeffler, who's 50, and the Reverend Raphael Warnock, who's 51. Ms. Loeffler, the junior Georgia senator, is still a political newcomer. She was named the U.S. Senate, named to the U.S. Senate in December of 19 by the governor, Brian Kemp, after the sitting senator resigned. One of the wealthiest members of the Senate, Ms. Loeffler, is co-owner of the women's NBA team, the Atlanta Dream. I didn't know that. The membership, I'm sorry, the ownership has caused a stir after the league's players called for Miss Loeffler to sell her stake over her vocal opposition to Black Lives Matter. Who is Ray Warnock? Well, he's the pastor of the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, where civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. once preached. Along with Democratic rising star Stacey Abrams, he started the New Georgia Project, a voting rights organization. The group is now under investigation by Georgia's Republican Secretary of State for allegedly sending ballot applications to non-residents. Okay, so why does this election in Georgia matter so much? The upper chamber of the U.S. Congress, that is to say the Senate, has been controlled by the Republican Party since the year 2014. It's very important in getting laws passed, cabinet appointments confirmed, and Supreme Court justices on to the bench of the highest court. 
If Democrats win in Georgia, the extra two seats would give them effective control. Each party would have 50 senators, but it's becoming increasingly rare for senators to vote against their party. So, could we have more deadlocks? Hmm. Technically, there are currently 46 Democrats and two independent senators, Bernie Sanders and August Wing, Angus Wing, but they typically vote with the Democrats. So a 50-50 tie, well, it would mean that the vice president, and that's likely going to be Kamala Harris, right? Would have the likely, yep. Would have the deciding vote. Well, that's why today's election. And when they said started votes started in December, it's because of. Uh, in our 71st year of service well, to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. The political spotlight is on Georgia, where voters are going to the polls to determine control of the U.S. Senate. Everybody looking up to Georgia right now. Everything that America stands for is on the line. First, I'm actually really excited about voting. WSB Radio's Edgar Tragutz is in Atlanta. Turnout is expected to be high across more than 2,600 polling locations in the state. That will add to what's already been record early voting turnout for more than 3 million Georgians, either absentee or in person. Much of that early vote came from areas of Metro Atlanta that tend to favor Democrats. On the ballot, Georgia's incumbent Republican senators are in fierce battles. David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler versus Democrats John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, respectively. More than 128,000 people are hospitalized with the coronavirus in the U.S. this morning, but not everyone is getting the message about the increasing danger. KPHO-TV's Monica Garcia says officials in Phoenix are trying to drive the point home. Telling people to social distance over and over again is starting to lose its gravity. So they're now pivoting their message, looking back at health campaigns in the past that worked, like the anti-smoking 